Amen? Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, let's go there. Our goal was to uh, finish the book of Hebrews. By the end of the year, it's not going to happen. Just break the news to you right now. But that was our goal. But we're going to get through a little bit of chapter 12 today. Is that all right? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your anointing and your ministry. Thank you for the way you care for us, the way you speak to us, the way you lead us, the way you coach us, your gentleness, your sensitivity, your firmness, and your correction. We receive from you this morning, in Jesus' name, everybody said. Thank you, thank you. Hebrews chapter 11, you remember what that was all about? Hebrews chapter 11, we call it the Hall of Faith, right? Remember that? And uh, it starts by saying, faith is the substance of things. So I was telling you that I think some of these guys that God picked on actually had some hopes I think Abram had some hopes when God showed up. I think Noah had some hopes when God showed up with, with a superior word. Like God then visited them, uh, Abel, Enoch, Sarah. Uh, there's this massive list, right, in Hebrews chapter 11 of these people who had, and if, if the story is true to the text, then they had some hopes, and then a word came from God. A word came. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing that is quickened by the Messiah. Hearing that is ramaized. Hearing that is made alive by the Christ. That's Romans chapter 10, verse 17, right? And... Uh, so then, out of that, they were called to do something in their generation that was great, but they also saw us from afar off. They saw the promise. They saw what was coming. And then it says that they obeyed. They obeyed what it was that God showed them to do. Faith, the Word, being the substance of things hoped for, then they followed, they obeyed, and it was credited to them as righteousness. In other words, these patriarchs that God picked on like that and visited with a word actually entered into a type of salvation. How could we deny that when it says that their following after the word was credited to them as righteousness? not their obedience to the law. And he's trying to make a point. He's trying, by the way, he's trying to make a point because all through Hebrews, he's been talking about the law. All through Hebrews, he's been comparing 
the law of faith, Romans chapter 3, 27, to the law of Moses. And he's been saying the law of faith is the new law, and it's the better law, and it's what we're called to now. We're called to the law of faith. And he illustrates how that all along the just will live by faith in chapter 11. He's illustrating that this is how God's kids are called to live. They're called to live by the voice of the Lord. They're called to follow the voice of the Lord. They're called to live by faith. And he's saying, hey, hey, don't feel, don't, don't feel like this is a new thing. This is what God's been doing all along. All along, God's been visiting those with hope, and he's been arousing their hope with a word from above, and they've been they've been obeying that word. They've been following that word, and that word has been the source of faith within them, and then he's been crediting them with righteousness for following after the word. But then it goes on to tell us in Romans chapter 11 that that the words that they received and what they saw from afar, the vision that they had, was greater than what they could fulfill. It was even vaster. It was even greater. It was even bigger than they could fulfill in their own lifetime. And so they lived with faith up until the end of their lives, and to the last breath of their lives, those listed in chapter 11, continued in faith knowing that we would be the fulfillment of all that they saw, which provoked me to think that the generation to come will be the fulfillment of what you see. That God also wants you to live with a faith, with a hope that is so big that you can't fulfill it in your lifetime. And this is, part of, this is part of why we hand our baton off. This is part of why what's in us needs to be handed off to others because others are going to fulfill and take what we've received into a greater fulfillment than what we ourselves have been able to walk out if, in fact, we have had an open heart to receive from God the word from above, not only for our generation, but for the generations to come. And I've probably yelled at you a little bit, This is why we cannot have a rapture mentality. This is why we cannot have a get-me-off-of-the-earth mentality. This is why we cannot have a fear-centered mentality. This is why we can't have a get-me-off-of-the-earth and get-me-out-of-here mentality. This is why we have to have a Matthew 6, 9 through 11 mindset. Heaven, come onto the earth, not get me out of the earth. When the disciples said, how should we pray? Teach us how to pray. He didn't say, pray this way. Pray the rapture comes quickly. He said, pray this way. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if you have a short-timers mindset, if you have an evil is prevailing mindset, if you have a get-me-off-of-the-earth mindset, if you have a it's-going-to-get-worse mindset, then guess what? you're not going to be hoping for the next generation. Your hopes are going to be small. Your faith is going to be minuscule. And what God accomplishes through you 
won't even require your faith to your dying breath. And you won't be handing a baton to somebody else. You'll be wishing to die, hoping to die. The very thing that you are believing for to get out of here soon will probably come to pass. And instead of rejoicing over a generation that will take your baton, you're going to be living in self-pity right up till the end. Is that what you want? Is that what God wants for you? So he takes us from chapter 11 right into chapter 12. He says, these that have gone on before you, they've passed a baton to you, and now they've become a great cloud of witnesses, and they're watching how you run your race. They're watching how you run your race. And so he says, I want you to cast off every encumbrance, every weight, every heavy thing, every sin, every entanglement, everything that's keeping you from running your race, cast it off off. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Can you not see that you're surrounded by a great cloud of these that have gone before you, and they're trusting in you? They're actually trusting in you. They actually came to the end of their road. They came to the end of their lives knowing they couldn't fully see the fulfillment of what they were promised. They've handed you the baton. They know that it's going to be finished in the generations to come. You have picked up that baton, and now you're stumbling over sin, and now you're encumbered with weights. Now you're you're letting yourself be set with things that don't belong in your life? I've got a funny feeling. I've got a funny feeling that the rain was set. That there was a day of appointment for the rain to begin. And if Noah would have been encumbered if he would have been distracted, if he would have been beset, if he would have been weighed down, that ark wouldn't have got built. I've got a funny feeling that he was finishing up about the time the first rain drop started coming down. And these goofy things, these funny things called clouds started forming. And he's just finishing up getting the last animals in. And they're just starting to close the door. What if the vision that God has for you is like that as well? Oh, I think he'll just put it off till I get there. Really? He's just going to wait till I'm ready. Really? What if, there's, what if there's a set day? What if there's a set day concerning the vision for your life? Do you know the vision for your life? Do you know the greater scope of that which you're called to? Do you know the ark that you're supposed to build? Or are you just bumping along like one of those balls inside of a pinball machine? God has something for you in your generation. 
God has a role for you. God has a call for you. God has a place for you. God has purpose in your every day, and God has purpose in your coming days. And God is asking that we would seek that purpose, that we would fill our hearts with such hope, that we would look to Him with such unfettered anticipation, that we would lift our eyes toward what He would do in our generation and in our future in such a way that He could visit us and make a boat-building deposit in our hearts so that we would hear what it is we're supposed to build, what it is we're supposed to do, what it is we're supposed to accomplish, so when the day of appointment, when the rain day comes, guess what? We didn't miss it. We didn't miss it. How many in this building would say with me today, you don't want to miss it? Come on, come on, come on. I don't want to miss my day of appointment. I don't want to miss what God has for me. I want to accomplish what it is. I want to know what it is. I want to hear what it is. I want to be at work with what it is that He's set me in this generation to do. He's set you in this generation to do something. Chapter 12, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all those people he listed in chapter 11, and now for us today, it's so many more. It's so many more. Hundreds of thousands, millions of believers, millions of believers have gone on before us. They're watching you. Wow, let that be scary. It sobers me quite often. They're watching me. They're depending on me. They're depending on me. They're depending on me and my generation. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin so, that so easily entangles. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that does beset us. The word here in the Greek means the impediment. I don't want to beat that up too much, but I want you to think for a moment. Most of the time, we only think about setting aside sin. But he's saying, no, there's a lot of other things that are going to keep you from building your boat on time. There's a lot of other things that could interrupt what it is I put on your heart to do. Please, this is the Spirit, the Spirit of faith, the Spirit of the Word, the Spirit of the vision over your life. Please give attention to my Word. Please give attention to my Word. Follow my word. Stay on time. I think this whole uh, section here, chapter 12, there's kind of a corrective tone to it. There's a chastening tone. We're going to get into that in a moment. There's a chastening tone to it. There's a corrective tone to it. In other words, the Hebrew believers receiving this writing, they needed this correction. They weren't quite on track. They weren't quite walking with the vision. They weren't quite in step with what God had for them. There's a corrective tone to this, and he's going to tell us in a moment. He's going to say, even though I'm coming in correction, (laughs) let it have its full work in you. This is God loving you. This is Papa helping you. Anybody ever have any correction? 
See, when it's time to build the boat, here we are, Noah. It's time to build the boat, and then we're off over here fiddling around. You ever fiddled? You use that word at your house? Anybody? Yeah. Okay, well, you ever fiddled around? You ever goofed around? You ever lollygagged? What's the word at your house? Huh? Dilly-dally? Pick your nose? You ever done that kind of stuff? We got a boat to build. We got a boat to build. Here's the word of the Lord of your life. We got a boat to build. Good boat to build. Yeah, but I'm not sinning, Jesus. I'm not thinking evil thoughts, Jesus. I'm not, I'm not involved in it. I didn't steal, Jesus. Yeah, but you're fiddling around. Quit fiddling around. Quit dilly-dallying. Quit messing around. You're not putting a full force of the effort of your ability. Matthew 25. Matthew 25. If he's given you five talents, he didn't say work with four. He said invest all five. If he's given you two talents, he didn't say look at the guy with five and say I wish I had five. If I had five, I'd invest it, but all I got is two. He didn't say that. He said if you've got two talents, get to work with your two. Get to work with your two. Boy, you're shouting, aren't you? So there's a little bit of a corrective tone in chapter 12, and we're not going to finish it, but I want you to see this corrective tone. Okay? Is that all right? Come on and say, I receive it. I receive alignment. I receive correction. I'm going to get back on my mission. 2019, it's going to be a year of mission, a year of purpose. No more fiddling around. Did you mean that? No more dilly-dally. Come on. Get off the ADD. Tension deficit disorder. Come on. Get off of that. Quit being pulled. Don't you know that Satan is the, is the, the master of pulling your attention into all sorts of stupid stuff that has nothing to do with your destiny? Facebook being number one. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Did I just burp? I don't know what that was. <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> oh, there's more. Periscope. Oh, excuse me. Oh, my word. What was that? Instagram. Oh, I was just burping up here. I got burps coming out. I don't know what it is. I'm messing with you because, of course, we want you to be on all those things. You can follow us. How would you ever hear from the church if you weren't <clears throat> Facebooking, right? So. But the self-control of the Spirit. Everybody say self-control. Oh, that's the Spirit God's given you. Remember, He's not giving you a spirit of fear. He's giving you a spirit of love, power, self-control. Self-control. Noah, honey, weren't you supposed to be, weren't you supposed to be cutting more lumber? Oh, I got to run down and get some more coffee, and uh, I got some other things to do. Yeah, Lord, twenty nineteen. 
We receive a corrective word this morning. We receive alignment this morning. We receive refirement this morning. We receive awakening toward vision and mission today. Come on. I can't hear you. We receive a recentering on purpose and focus. Recentering on purpose and focus. Come on, a lot, of, a, a, a lot of you, you've had the challenge of the Wolf Family going on in your lives. A little bit of the challenge of the Wolf Family. Like no margin whatsoever. Taking care of 5,000 children, writing 5,000 books, uh, solving a million problems, and handling too many investments. And you, you've had wolf problems. Just, you know, as the anointing of the head, so it be upon the body, right? Too much distraction. Let this be a year of, of kind of increasing your margin around your life so that you're not just running from pillar to post and you're able to recenter on your mission. What's your mission? What's your purpose, church? What's God called you to be? You don't have to be everything, by the way. You know why we don't do everything? Because we don't have to be everything. If you want some other expression, there's another church where you can probably go find it and then come back home. We don't have to have a singing Christmas tree. We don't have to have Scrooge. We don't have, we don't have to do everything. We just need to do what we're called to do and do it well. And let those who have a different calling rejoice in what they're called to do. So it is with one another. We don't have to compare ourselves to everybody else. We don't have to do what everybody does. You need to know what God's called you to and do it with all of your heart. Do it with all of your might. Get back on focus. Get back on center. Get back on what God's called you to. Time to close, but let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. The Greek actually says he's the originator of our faith. Pioneer, perfecter the originator, the source of our faith. And, of course, this has been his theme all, the, all through Hebrews. This has been his theme, that Jesus is superior. And, and as he's told us now about faith, and he's been waxing eloquent about the walk of faith that we're called to, now he's telling us to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the originator, the pioneer, the founder the source of our faith, right? Who for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Uh, we've got to close right there. I know we're out of time. I need the band to come and join me. Simply means somewhere in the future. As the Lord allows, we will come back to Hebrews. Is that all right? 
Come on, stand with me this morning. Stand up like you mean it. Stand up like you're determined. Stand up like you're determined. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stretch a little bit if you need to. But I want you to get a determination about you. See, it's not just, uh, it's not just the carnal mind. It's not just Facebook and everything around you. But you have an enemy. You have an enemy as well who wants to distract you off of the boat you're supposed to build. But if the boat hadn't been built, and I'm just using one illustration out of chapter 11 because we come out of chapter 12, out of chapter 11 into chapter 12. So I'm using this by way of illustration. That it's the boat that Noah built as one who was here in this chapter 11, Hall of Faith, it's that boat that Noah built that brought preservation And it's the boat you're called to build that brings preservation. <laughs> Life comes through what you're doing. Somebody needs to be uplifted, rescued, strengthened by, by the boat you're called to build. In other words, by the thing you're called to in your generation. Do you know that to be true? Come on, how many of you know that to be true? Don't let yourself bump along. Stop that. Decide this morning you're not going to go through another week of being content with bumping along like a big ball in a pinball machine off of one bumper to another, one meal to another meal, one day to another day, one sleep to another sleep, one date to another date, one show to another show, one amusement to another amusement. No, that's not God how not how God intended you to live. God has intended that you would live by faith, that you would live by the word of the Lord, that you would live according to the purpose He's ordained for you and your generation. And there's purpose to be woven and to be found in the thing you might consider to be mundane, the thing that you consider your yourself doing day in and day out. You might consider it to be mundane. God wants you to look for the purpose in it. Where's the purpose in this? Where's the purpose in this? How do I take? Jesus said it this way. Take my yoke upon you. 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 Well, what's my yoke? What's, what's, what's my yoke? What's the yoke of Jesus? What in the world's that? Well, we talked about that last week quite a bit, didn't we? It's the yoke of loving people. It's the yoke of, of ministering to one another. It's, it's the yoke of, of caring for one another. See, it's the yoke of healing. It's the yoke of love. It's, it's the yoke of expressing my personality in such a way that the Holy Spirit is able to use me. So take my yoke upon you. Well, what are you doing? Well, Teresa's driving school bus. So take my yoke upon you. Teresa, she's driving that bus. 
as you're driving that bus, take the purpose, the mission, the love, the ministry of Jesus upon that bus driving. Somebody else is working in a restaurant. Daniel's working in a restaurant. Let's start right there. Let's start right there. Let, let's start by taking the purpose, the calling, the, the mission, the, the desire, the heart, the burden of the Lord upon you. Upon you. Bill does it every day out there in that UPS truck. See, when we turn our hearts that way, when we begin to shift our hearts that way, then all at once we see who needs a smile. All at once we see who needs prayer. All at once we see who needs a hug. All at once we, we see who needs a gift. All at once we, we see who needs to be cared for. All at once we see who needs to be healed. And we see who needs compassion. All at once. And if we start right there, then now we're cooperating with the Lord in such a way that He can begin to release additional insight, <laughs> purpose, purpose, direction, wisdom. How many of you want that? We say yes to that in 2019. We say yes to that. Come on, come on, come on. Give Him a hand this morning. Say, that's what we want, Jesus. That's what we want, Jesus. That's what we want, Jesus. No more dilly-dally. No more dilly-dally. I'm going to open the front one more time this morning as we close. Open the front one more time. If you know this morning... you know this morning, you should, you should set your face like flint over your mission. It's not just been sin, but you've let yourself be pulled. You've let yourself been, be distracted. You've let yourself dilly-dally, fiddle around. But this year, you're saying no. Then come as we close this morning. Come. Come. Let's come. Just move out. We're going to close with you just communing with the Lord, telling Him, this is a year. I'm determining. I'm determining. I'm setting my face like flint to walk in my mission, to walk in my mission, to walk in my purpose, to discover, to fulfill, to lay hold of, fully what you have for me, Father. Let's do that as we worship and as we close this morning. God bless you, church. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you, Jesus. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Ooh. 
Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy and holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you.
Leave me. 